Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Shoot. Um, that didn't work out quite as planned. I was trying to put on the countdown. <laughs> Uh, but you know, we'll just start. Um, yeah, Mario. Just um, I, I know no one is here yet, but uh, they will probably come in like a minute or two. So uh, we can probably you know just keep talking about like the the, the very thing that we started talking about before we um, hit the go live button. So Mario was just saying that he really enjoys this uh, cross court swing and yeah, the, the the nice variety that it brings to the tour, right? Yeah. No. When. Uh, uh... It's kind of weird for me because when the, um, as I always like clay court tennis, uh, when the French Open ends, usually I am like, hmm, I don't know if I'm going to enjoy. And and I'm always a little bit skeptical. Uh, but then after after a couple of weeks, every year I... Uh, I have to say that I that I I have enjoyed as as always uh, the yeah just the different the different kind of of, of tennis and and skills that that are are required to to play on this um, on this surface on the grass um, yeah also because um, it's also it's also interesting in the first weeks for example to watch uh, uh, which players are are able to um, to convert their tennis faster uh, to the courts and um, there are of course uh, a lot of of things to to watch also thinking about Wimbledon but not only because uh, these are uh, especially the 500s events are uh, some important events which uh, winning them is always is always a good satisfaction uh, for for the players yeah, I mean, honestly, Holly Queens has always been one of my favorite weeks of the year, for sure. Um, the biggest events in grass that we have outside of Wimbledon, also very different to each other uh, in terms of how they play. You know, Holly, the more old school vibe and also the, um, well, the semi-indoor court, as I like to call it, with just a little, little 
um, window yeah. in the in the roof to, for the uh, the sun to go get in. Of course, Queens may be the better warm up for Wimbledon. That over the years these events have also evolved so much. You know, sometimes it was like Federer in Halle, and then all the other top players were in Queens. Right now we have like a very even spread, which also makes this great. Uh, maybe some of you know it, but like last week I was mostly at a clay challenger in Poland, so my watching of Halle Queens was not maybe at its highest historically however of course i still i still managed to um yeah just catch up with what happened and also watch plenty of it especially the finals yesterday so yeah we have a lot to talk about we have a lot to cover and already on the screen we have the the man himself carlos alcaraz claiming the atp 500 title in queens um let's let's start from him and you know the guy was struggling a lot in the opening ground against artur rinderneck the movement on the grass was honestly surprisingly poor in that opener. And after that, he just dominated all of his opposition. And it was actually like, there were some really good grass players involved in there, right? I mean, Dimitrov, Korda, Deminor. Yeah, um, maybe let's start with the, like, the big picture question, Mario. Where does this put Carlos Alcaraz ahead of Wimbledon? And maybe also, like, were you surprised that he won this title? What sort of result were you expecting for him in Queens? Yeah, uh, two weeks ago, I I was um, saying to you that I I already thought as Alcaraz as as the second the second favorite when we was talking about who could could challenge Djokovic uh, in Wimbledon. Um, probably uh, I've been a little bit surprised to to see him adapting so so fast uh, to to the surface because it was really just the the first match in which he uh, he was uh, he was struggling but uh, i mean it's it's pretty it's pretty normal i must say uh, first match on on the new surface also after after all the the clay court swing which uh, for alcaraz was really really uh, tough uh, in terms of the number of events played and physically and so yeah, I think that uh, technically, uh, really, really, no reason for him to to not be able to uh, to show a great level on grass. Uh, and so I'm I'm pretty pretty happy that he he confirmed uh, what I was what I was thinking about him going into this this grass season. Um, yeah, the movement uh, improved really really fast during during the week. And um, yeah, of course, I I, I see him. Uh, yeah, I had this opinion two weeks ago, so no reason for me to change opinion. I think that uh, given the fact that I still put, um, I think Djokovic's name at at the top for Wimbledon, uh, but I think that Alcaraz uh, is uh, really a serious contender, and I think. Uh, for different reasons, the the most um, yeah the most serious one uh, aside from from Djokovic, these these two the top two seats uh, will be the the top two favorites once again uh, after the French Open. It will be I think the uh, pretty much the same. Probably French. We were talking about uh, Alcaraz slightly first. This time it's Djokovic who are we are thinking that. Uh, is going to to enter as the the big favorite, but it's it's a big contention uh, between these two. Uh, and of course, if 
something can also happen. So Alcaraz proved that uh, there are no... Uh, I, I don't want to say no issues because, of course, it's, it's still one week, but he has all uh, the things he needs uh, to, to play great tennis, even on, on this surface. Um, yeah, hello, Gossi. Um, I don't know why you, why you called me a Sasquatch, but that's fair. Anyway, um, ooh, Alcaraz and Declan Rice, these are the most overrated players in the world. Uh, what's Declan Rice even playing? I am I um, okay? He's he's a football player, I didn't even know that. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, I, I totally get what you mean. Um, I if you remember like our conversation, I probably thought that Alcaraz Medvedev were like at around the same level for me. When it comes to Wimbledon contenders, I was also of the opinion that it's not going to be like the usual grass players, but rather the guys who you know have had fantastic seasons so far and maybe they will play it in themselves into form. Uh, the reason why I said that I was kind of surprised that Alcaraz looked this poor against Rinderneh was simply because we've seen him yeah, just in a much better state on the grass in the past, especially that much against Ota at Wimbledon last year. Mm -hmm. Also, even that one against Medvedev two years ago. Like, he was just such a fun all-court all grass attacker. And I um, I really wanted to see that guy again. And I'm glad that after the first round, we actually did that. Uh, like, he he showed up, definitely. The serve was really good. Uh, you know, just, just the, the, the factor of, like, having a weapon like this in Karaz's game is pretty huge. Uh, yeah, he just has such an aggressive style. When I was in um, when I was in Poznan, I actually overheard this conversation at a at a tram stop, and a couple of people were just talking about like big picture stuff ahead of Wimbledon. Like, you know, do you think Świątek is going to win it? Do you think um, Djokovic is going to win it? And like something like this. And one of these guys was like clearly more knowledgeable about tennis than the other, and he told the other guy that what Alcaraz plays on the court is basically the antithesis of um, grass courts, which I was so surprised by, you know? I, I don't think that's the case at all, you know? He has such a um, such a powerful, such an uh, attack-oriented style, especially with the forehand, which was, you know, on grass, definitely still a huge weapon. Um, I think, yeah, once he perfects the movement, once he once he gets it to a point where it's maybe not as good on clay because you know he's not gonna probably slide on it as yes he is on clay or something, but like once he just gets that to the highest point possible, he can definitely win Wimbledon's in the future. I don't know if it will be this one simply because Djokovic, you know, he looks just so strong ahead of this winning for the last four Wimbledon's in a row. Uh, I do think that he's like significantly the second favorite for Wimbledon or yeah. ahead of Medvedev right now. Um, I guess we will talk about Medvedev uh, later, I suppose. So I will I will leave that for um, for the Halle conversation. What the the thing that I really wanted to say right now, uh, but it just it just seems like he has uh, he has a distant uh, like a very distinct edge over the field, just like he's not really close to Djokovic. However. It's definitely Alcaraz at number two. He could be, um, I mean, he could be um, um, upset at Wimbledon, I think, more easily than he could have been at the French. There are certainly, like, just guys with a big game, especially in the first week at Wimbledon, where the grass is more slippery, it's a bit faster. Uh, definitely there are guys who could, move, who could put more pressure on him. Like, if Maxim Cressy was in big form, that would be uh, that would be maybe something that we could do. But... Um, Michael also says that no one has won five Wimbledon in a row without a challenge. I guess Federer won five, right? But um, yeah. it was a five-setter in the in the final. But you know, Federer I, had to battle I, Nadal. Uh, 
I don't remember if also uh, only Federer, not another one, not not Sampras. Um, Pete no. lost in '96, right? So I guess he yeah, was so won was... like three. Uh, lost yeah. in '96 and then won four. Oh, no, maybe yeah. it was um, it was Bjorn Borg. Um, I'm I not sure if Borg won five Wimbledon's because he, he, I guess he didn't really like he wasn't losing there, right? Really, so um, until he lost to in '81. Yeah, so Borg also won five Wimbledon's in a row. Yeah, but um, not I guess not without a challenge is what uh, is what Michael is uh, talking about. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, we talked about this. Um, maybe some of the other guys as well. You know, Alex Deminor making the final. Um, such a good result for him. Of course, a great grass player. He was in Wimbledon quarters, right? A couple of years back, uh, I think. Oh no, maybe it was the fourth round uh, in 2022. Uh, yeah, I think it was fourth round. But... Yeah, it was the fourth round where he wasted that chance, right? Because he, he was playing Garin, I think. Yeah, he was playing Garin. Yeah, and um, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about him. And um, could he have done more in the final? You know, what's what's sort of the idea about Alex Deminor now? He has been like this player who um, has a great game, obviously, but kind of struggles when he plays the top guys, and they are hitting well. And I guess that's just another instance of it in the final here. Um, yeah, I think that maybe in some kind of, of moments in the match he could have done uh, just a little bit better. But overall, uh, I think that he, he cannot complain at all uh, for for his week. Uh, of course, it's uh, it's a good result that that put him in uh, in a good uh, in a good state also. Uh, as a matter of confidence for uh, for Wimbledon, we we saw him doing good things also in the last season in in Eastbourne, uh, for example. So uh, definitely he he is able to to move very well on grass, and that can can create issues to to a lot of players. Definitely, um, yeah. There's always that uh, this kind of issue when. Uh, when he faces this um, these players with this big game like uh, like Alcaraz, uh, he he has also the the chance with with his net game with the trans transition to uh, to bring in the match some something new, but uh, not really enough to yet yeah, to create. Uh, damage to to Alcaraz, for example, yesterday, uh, or to to other very very uh, top guys. But of course, we are going also to to watch the draw, how the draw will look like, because and that would be also important. And um, I think that the minor is is one of the these guys that if the if the draw is not very very harsh on them, then then they can. Can try to 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 win some rounds and to 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 have a deep run in in Wimbledon. So I also think that when we we're going to have the draw, a lot of uh, things uh, we will have at least a, a probable answer uh, to some kind of of question we are we are making ourselves. But he's one of these guys who can. Uh, who can use a, a favorable draw to to make a deep run, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it was such a big shame for him last year, right? Not to capitalize on the fact that he played Christian Garin in the final in the fourth round. And no offense to to Christian Garin, really, but 
yeah, just it, it just felt like this is the moment, right? That um, the minor should be uh, take. I mean, the, the opportunity that he should be taking advantage of. Of course, he was also two sets to live up. Uh, but yeah, very fine week for him. Just uh, probably played like the more usual grass court tennis. I think in the final, like he had the the better understanding of what to do on the surface. But that just doesn't matter with uh, with the power cup, with the talent cup. When yeah, when Karas has a good day at the office, and he really had that. And you know, other than the round one, obviously there there weren't any real moments when he looked vulnerable at, at all. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. A uh, big round for Sebastian Corda as well. Of course, he was one of the main stories of January when uh, making the final, missing a match point against Djokovic in whatever the event was, Adelaide, I think. Yeah. And then, um, and then of course, the Australian Open, uh, where he eventually ended up retiring, but beat Daniel Medvedev and you know looked like a guy who was going to break the top 10 this year. And uh, yeah, then the wrist injury came or um, and of course, for a few months, he couldn't play. Then he didn't win a match on clay or won a match on clay at, at the French eventually, but um, ended up losing the second round very tamely against Sebastian Ofner. And Sebastian Gorda is back on the, on the on the grass now. And it looks like he will be back to that level that we um, saw from him in the first half of the year, right? Mm, yeah, absolutely. Uh was not, um, I mean, we all know what he's able to to bring on the court, but was not, um, we weren't sure uh, about his his level and form uh, going into, into the grass season, given all what uh, had happened to him. So um, I, I think that it's, uh, it's very good news this week for him. Uh, I, yeah, he's a player, of course, uh, one of the players with with the best game also also to watch at times because he's so smooth and uh, at times everything looks so uh, so so easy to do uh, for the way he does and uh, uh, yeah I mean then of course facing uh, facing a good version of Alcaraz because I think that this uh, that match was was the best one uh, among the the matches Alcaraz played uh, in this Queens Queens week. And so it, uh, yeah, of course he he hasn't been able to to take one step one step further. But um, given the fact that there was a little bit of a question mark around him for for um, the injury and then coming back and was not uh, was not at his very best for uh, from the first match, and so it was still a player in in search of some of the best condition and uh, yeah it looks like he find it because uh, also he had some some nice wins and uh, I think that he he cannot complain about uh, this week in terms of his process to to being back to uh, to his his best level. Yeah, absolutely and honestly I was that surprised that in the semis it was such a clean win for Akaras. But yeah, Korda just looked like a guy who will uh, get back up there very quickly. 
um, definitely, like he has gotten rid of a lot of the weaknesses that we saw in his game. Like, I don't know that the first serve was pretty mediocre. Um, maybe that the forehand sometimes was not really a weapon, and you know he just basically erased all of that this year. It seems, and and yeah, now that he's back in good physical shape, he could be one of the dark horses for Wimbledon. I don't know if it's even a, a dark, if he's even a dark horse at this stage, but you know, given the fact that he is a seeded player. Um, he, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of in, sort of intricacies there in terms of who he, who um, he might be able to play in the third round, the fourth round. We'll see when the draw comes out, but definitely, just like at the Australian Open, Sebastian Corda looks like one of the more dangerous guys from sort of the third tier of contenders, let's say, maybe even second. Also, Holger Rune winning his first grass matches. Uh, he lost the uh, he lost the first three last year. Um, they were to Marcos Giron, Ryan Peniston, and Pablo Carreño Busta. So clearly not the highest quality of a position on grass, I would say. Especially, you know, Carreño Busta with his Wimbledon record. And um, yeah, Peniston, Giron. And now he actually has a very good run. He beats Cressy, he beats Peniston in a rematch. And uh, Lorenzo Musetti to lose to Alex de Minor. Is there like any reason in your you know, in your mind um, for like Holger Rune not being able to produce his best tennis on grass or, you know, is it just a matter of experience, a learning curve? Um, well, um, I I don't think that this is the most natural uh, surface for the way he prefers to play uh, the game. But at the same time, he, he has a lot of, um, a lot of uh, talent also with his, with his hands and the ability of to stay to stay low uh, with the with the body position, uh, which can can be things that can can help him to to develop his um, his grass court game. Um, have to say that um, yeah, I I I want I really want to see him to watch him uh, playing other grass court events uh, probably before uh, having a. Um, I mean, a, a more clear um, opinion about that. But uh, even if I think that uh, probably it's not the way he he likes to to play the most. Uh, but given the fact that he he's able to uh, yeah to stay to stay very low and to also to to use the slice and to uh, he has some some weapons that can can help it to to be a a very good uh, grass court player in. In the future, of course, I think that he's uh, he has still um, still some some work to do uh, to to be able to to be a very very strong contender uh, for a slam, but he's for Wimbledon especially because uh, grass still still requires you yourself um, something something more, and also sometimes uh, the the ability to. Uh, to to change things even as the match progresses and for example against Deminor he uh, he struggled to to find solutions um, and so given the fact that uh, for for a matter of experience and grass court level I I thought that Deminor could have been the favorite in the match um, there were things that I think Rune could have uh, handled. In, in a different way, but we also have to, we don't have to forget that uh, he basically came here with 
mm, I don't want to say no grass court experience at all, but uh, you mentioned about the three losses, no wins. So basically, um, this has been the first event of his career in which he's been able to play two, three, uh, actually four grass court matches. So everything is going to, to help him. I, I think that, uh, of course, uh, grass can require you more, more time to, to adapt because of the fact that you play very, very few grass court matches in a year. And so it's, it's not very, very easy to, to develop your game. Um, but I think that there are elements of his tennis that can, can help him to, to improve even on, on this surface. I think he will be fine in the future. Definitely a learning curve. I mean, with, with how short the grass season is, it's so hard to get actually gather some experience on it. Uh, so maybe not this Wimbledon, but in a few years, why not? There's really no reason why he wouldn't be wouldn't be dangerous there as well. He's just one of these like all court or um, all rounded tennis players who probably will adapt at some point. You know, better or worse, but he will adapt he has already done that in a way you know definitely a few nice wins in queen's club this week and maybe the sort of fast-paced action on grass will actually kind of help him with the cramping and fitness issues that that michael is also mentioning uh you know maybe maybe in a grass match it's not gonna matter that much especially like even in a best of five scenario i don't know we'll see um last year holger of course played just one match at wimbledon and lost to um marcus giron so Three sets um, didn't really get much out of it, I suppose. Um, yeah, anything else that we want to talk about when it comes to Queen's Club? And um, if not, we, we can move over to the other 500 event. Um, no, no, I was just thinking just mm -hmm. when the, uh, yeah. the fact about the cramp, I think that uh, I'm not still worried about that. Uh, I think that it's, uh, it's also a thing that in a couple of years should be uh, should be handled better by him so uh, as for now yeah when we talk about his uh, possibilities right now it it matters and it matters a lot sometimes but uh, i think that he is going to to be fine in in a couple of years about that um, absolutely. So yeah, uh, when it comes to Halle, we've had Alexander Bublik winning the title. We already had Nurlan um, talk about him in the chat a little bit. Alexander Bublik, of course, his biggest career title. Uh, he had actually never won an, an ATP 500 before. He actually only had one ATP title because his record in the finals stood at one and six. Um, interestingly enough, in both uh, title runs, he actually beat Alexand uh, Alexander Zverev. And here he managed to eliminate uh, Borna Cioric, Jan Lenac Truf, Yannick Sinner, but that was via retirement, Alexander Zverev, and also um, Andrei Rublev in the final. I mean, definitely, you know, just, a, just an insane display of strength. You know, four seeded players along the way, plus Struff, who was coming off the final in Stuttgart. Um, so yeah, is is there a chance that Alexander Public could use this and you know as a springboard to to actually be very dangerous at Wimbledon? So far, it hasn't really happened for him in his career, I guess, at either Slam really. But he he did make the third round at the at Wimbledon the last two years. Yeah, no, of course he he started the campaign beating a former Halle champion, and then of course yeah. there was uh, there was Truth, which is uh, having a, a fantastic season so far. Uh, uh, then, of course, two, two top players like Sinner and Rublev. Uh, also, Zverev seemed like to uh, 
to have gained some some form. Um, he was winning also in in a nice way his his previous rounds, and so he looked like um, yeah, a strong contender for this title. So for Bublik, uh, it has been a really really good week. Of course, his tennis uh, is. I mean, he, he it's great tennis, and especially on on grass. Also, the the Halle grass. I uh, I think that he it plays also uh, even faster um, than the other grass court events. Uh, but still, I think that uh, first of all, he he gained a seed uh, a seed for Wimbledon, uh, and so he he will avoid. Um, drawing in round one, for example, against Alcaraz or Djokovic, and that's huge. Uh, but uh, talking about the the display finale, it's it's been uh, very very uh, fun to watch because he brought all his creativity, all his uh, ideas to to the court, and he um, yeah he used all his energy to in order to. Uh, to reach this this big result and it was great to watch all this talent and all this focus on the game on the match and on uh, winning point after point and uh, till till going to win to win the title uh, he is of course one of of that players who who, who brings you uh, yeah who you don't leave the <laughs> the you don't stop the match when you when you are watching him because uh, he when he's playing at, at this level he's is uh, a joy also for uh, for for tennis enjoyer in general and especially on this surface and then also it's been it's been great also in the final the way he he reacted when he had a little low moment and Rublev won the second set playing actually very very well in that set. Um, and then uh, it was it was also a difficult moment uh, for him to to handle, maybe given also the fact that he had in the mind uh, being one six in the finals, and maybe uh, I lost this set and I then go one seven. And, um, yeah, so I in a, in a way surprised, but not that much, given uh, the fact that I know how well public uh, can play. Let's see. Uh, if he he will be the first non-Federer Halle champion to pass <laughs> to win in the round one in Wimbledon, uh, but having gained uh, a seed, I think that uh, if the draw is not particularly harsh, he should be should be fine. If if focused and uh, if he's able yeah. to to bring the Halle level to the court. Yeah, if, if the the stat that Mario is referring to is that uh, since 2011, only Roger Federer, as like you know, um, after winning Halle, was able to progress at Wimbledon past the opening round, which is a pretty crazy thing. I cannot remember exactly you know how many how many players are there, but it, it's like Chorich, Kokinakis, um, Tommy Haas, I think, uh, Hugo Humbert in recent years. Urkacz, yes, of course. I started from like Haas, Koki, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Haas, George, and uh, I forgot about Hurkacz and Umber. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, Alexander Bublik, um, enough said. I mean, everyone knows how what sort of tennis he can bring to the court uh, when he's actually you know, willing to and when he's on his best day. 
I always like kind of refrain from saying that, you know, if if Boblik was motivated, he would be in the top 10 or something. And the same with Kyrgios, really. I think like the sheer foundation of who they are and how good they are also lies in the craziness in, in, in a, at least a little bit. Yeah. And um, I'm not really sure they would actually be getting better results, maybe if they, if they yeah. get so crazy. So it, it is a bit of an, an, um, an uncertainty, definitely. However, I think many top players from Wimbledon this year, they actually really wanted Bublik to win this title because now he is seeded. So you yeah. can't play him in the first two rounds because, yeah, Bublik, um, you know, guys like Bublik, Kyrgios, Kresi, you really don't want to face them in, in your opening match, in your second round match. Um, they might not get that far, it, it, like, you know, they, they might not play you in the quarterfinals because they usually don't get this far. They usually don't maintain that composure. They usually don't maintain their level over the course of best of five uh, matches and, you know, yeah. like, I don't know, four, four rounds in a row or something. But you don't want to play them right away. And, um, yeah, I think for the tournament, it's probably... Uh, even slightly less exciting that public is a seed now because we're we're not guaranteed to <laughs> yeah, we're guaranteed not right. to get uh, I don't know Alcaraz public right Djokovic public we might get Djokovic Mare or, Alca- or Alcaraz public uh, sorry Alcaraz Mare which uh, would also be pretty crazy but yeah fantastic run for public as you said he was one six in the finals and actually uh, responded well so that's uh, that's probably something that he has to be feeling pretty proud of. Um, and yeah, it makes sense for him to have a title at this level. I think his career high ranking was uh, just a joke compared to his abilities before this week. Right now, he's at twenty six, I think. So uh, yeah, maybe he, maybe uh, best be ranking was twenty twenty nine. Best ranking before this week, he was yeah. forty eight. Uh, playing last yeah, week, yeah, and he was like constantly 30, 40, right? Yeah. And I, yeah, mean, I, I know he's a player who wants repeat this probably over the course of the full year, and it makes sense that his ranking is somewhat low. However, it definitely felt like, yeah, that's just you know, he should he should have like a, a month or two where he peaks. Maybe it's going to be a full month. Maybe he goes deep at Wimbledon as well. That's what um, that's what certainly is a possibility. Andrei Rublev was also the finalist in Halle. I think it was his second Halle final, right? He also lost to Ugo Mbere a couple of years back. Uh, maybe not the strongest of grass court players, but, you know, he's very competitive on it. He made the second week at Wimbledon in the past, of course. And, yeah, just, I guess, constantly proves that when it comes to consistency and winning the matches that... Um, that he uh, like like you expect him to win. Andrei Rublev is really uh, among the best in that for sure. Yeah, no, I mean he's, he he definitely proved to be an um, all round player because uh, pretty much on every surface he's able to uh, to bring at least a, a minimum level that it's it's quite high. Yeah. Um, so yeah, still lacks of of a grass court title, but having reached two finals in Halle definitely prove that uh, he, he can do good things uh, on on the grass probably not his very best uh, surface because uh, it requires to to get a step further in in, the, in these tournaments and also in the slam it requires a little bit of variety of ability also at the net he he's, he's still uncomfortable in the third set he and it was in the beginning in the third set he could have um handled way better some some points when he was approaching uh, um and definitely in in that final uh Bublik's, um i don't know Bublik's cr- creativity and also ability to 
uh, to do things even with the um, with the short time uh, to react um, made the difference in the end. Uh, while Rublev is still, according to me, a player which needs a little bit of uh, of time to get his weapons with a forehand and with the back and with his baseline uh, power game. Uh, he, in my opinion, uh, grasses the surface in which that improvement Rublev still lacks in, in his game is uh, very, very much required if he wants to, to make a step further. But still, he, he proved to, to be, of course, a player uh, we, which is pretty much consistent. Uh, he, he, he rarely goes um, lower a certain level and... Uh, when he's facing, uh, yeah, some kind of player, he's he's quite a certainty at, at least for the major part uh, part of the years, and not even really matter on on the surface and on on the tournaments. I I mean, at least, uh, yeah, he won only the final in Monte Carlo, which only it's, it was the biggest one he played this year, but still for finals, like in all the four previous previous seasons. So it shows that. He is, is, of course, a player which is still able to at least get some this kind of, of results and he's, uh, he keeps doing it. Uh, so it's, I think it's, this tournament is pretty much uh, a confirmation of what we, we were thinking about him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not that he's barren grass. It's just that, you know, contender for Wimbledon. Probably no, a bit of a stretch. No. Yeah. <laughs> that one run that he had at Wimby was um um someone uh sorry, who who admitted him? Uh Fuchovic, yeah, just just yeah. Uh, managed to give him a nightmare with the slice. I think he also had like a tough one, tough one against Schwartzman at Wimbledon. Yeah, it, it, he's just not a not a contender for the title. However, a deep run from him the second week, very possible. And mm -hmm. what Michael says is obviously very true. Um, that yeah, just Rublev's base level is incredibly high, but when someone is actually hitting their their peak, their ceiling, when a player with a higher upside is hitting their ceiling, he just doesn't really have the option to stop them. Um, and uh, but yeah, the the base level is just incredible. So, yeah, even um, if I would I would add to this sense, sentence, I would add an A level in more in later stages because. Overall, uh, and this thing surprised me a little bit. Overall, his record against the top ten players in matches played is is not really bad. Um, he's uh, it's a record comparable to that of guys like uh, uh, Pass or or also uh, also Zverev for uh, even if Zverev uh, declined with his numbers uh, a little bit in in this last period. Uh, but yeah, he, he he feels like he's not really able to um, take a step up when when it matters the most. Uh, that's like his his game. He's able to produce it very well. But if he has to do something more, then yeah, uh, it becomes it becomes difficult. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. 
Ships Registry, Bahamas. Um, absolutely. And we also had uh, Roberto Bautista Good come out a, a bit out of nowhere this year, I would say. You know, he was even injured and missed Hertogenbosch. But obviously, a phenomenal grass quarter. He made the semis at Wimbledon last year. Uh, sorry, last year, of course, not last year, but in 2019. I don't know what I was even thinking of. But yeah, this season has not been too kind for the Spaniard, but it seems like, you know, every single time he goes out on a grass court, he can always be dangerous. And honestly, one of the, I don't know, third-tier contenders for Wimbledon for me, uh, yeah, just based on what he showed in Halle, I yeah, think no, he's, he's still he's contenders. Really yeah, of course. he's. Uh, I mean, to, to make a deep run, uh, I always have an eye on him uh, on grass. Last year, yeah. it was a little bit a shame because he, he didn't uh, play in the second round uh, because he got uh, the virus, COVID. Uh, and so we, we haven't really really seen him uh, at Wimbledon last year because even last year, he had a pretty strong play, uh, grass court season, I remember. Um, yeah, uh, Bautista Gut is kind of that... Uh, He's that second kind of players who are able to play very well on grass because there are players with a big serve, a big net game, and um, and then there are players like him which are very very uh, effective on grass because they're able, uh, yeah, to stay low, to take the ball early, and to open the angles very well, and so to make uh, the opponents run a lot. Against Medvedev, for example, he he used very very well. Um, Medvedev's uh, court position uh, to to take advantages in in the rallies. Um, so yeah, of course, uh, of course, to, we have to mention always that Wimbledon semis uh, in twenty nineteen in in what was even a, a good match against Djokovic in the semis. Uh, so definitely, he he's been one of the most consistent grass court players in the last years, even if uh, for someone who who approaches the game now for the first time could sound a little bit weird. But uh, the the ability he, he has to, as I said, to take early the ball and to uh, to open very well the angles from the baseline, in my opinion, can can make the difference in his favors a lot of a lot of times. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a sort of tier list of contenders from John in the chat. Let's look at it. Djokovic, Alcaraz, yeah. I mean, Berrettini, Kyrgios, kind of optimistic. But, uh, you know, you, you said that if fit, so I, I can appreciate it. Felix is not a contender for me, at least not, not there. Chapo, also not really. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I would struggle to find the replacements for these guys. So yeah, <laughs> I can understand yeah. you putting them in, but... But yeah, Medvedev, Korda—that's uh, that, that actually sounds pretty realistic. Uh, I would probably have like even someone like Bautista higher than uh, Shapo or Felix right now. But um, but yeah, I can understand the the, the picks for sure. <laughs> Hurkacz as well. Put in Hurkacz there. Um, I I think he's like five six right now. Um, Tiafo, yeah, fair, fair enough. Tiafo yeah, is, yeah, is not enough. a bad selection either. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. About uh, Medvedev, of course, I think that. Uh, and then you you see if you agree that um, uh -huh. yeah he seemed struggling a little bit in this uh, in this grass court season in these two events but uh, uh, you you should not forget about him also because he's one of those players that 
you know that he's able, if he gets to, to the later stages of the tournament, to show up with a good level and to, to upper his game. Just like, for example, he did he he did in Rome. We know that Clay is not uh, not really he 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 doesn't really like to play on it. But then when he goes over the first couple, two, three rounds, and then he's one of these guys that he's uh, it's not easy it's easy at all uh, to beat when he's he's focused on the goal. Uh, then I don't know what to make about these first two grass court events, to be honest. But um, yeah, I think that his serve needs to to get a better weapon in in Wimbledon if he if he wants to uh, to be a serious contender. Um, yeah, I mean, when it comes to Medvedev, for me, I think we have to remember that he played Manarino and Bautista good. Yeah. So guys who have always given him trouble, fellow flat hitters, you know, they get the ball really low. He is struggling to inject pace of, out of it. He is even struggling defensively. They use the angles so well too. Uh, Manarino, you know, he's so creative, of course, like a magician. But Bautista good at the same time, he has this nasty inside-out forehand, which he can just direct everywhere. And it doesn't really have to be deep. Uh, you know, he, he takes Medvedev out of his comfort zone movement-wise as well. I, I think that we shouldn't really maybe overrate this, these results and just say that, you know, he um, Medvedev is not going to be a contender for Wimbledon. I think he still is. However, if he runs into someone like, yeah, I don't know, um, Med again, Bautista Good, uh, maybe someone like Hurkacz, who has also given him trouble mm. on, on grass in the past, I'm not really sure he would progress there. And that's that, that's maybe like the, the way I'm feeling right now about uh, Medvedev ahead of Wimbledon, that if he runs into one of these, um, yeah, just unpleasant opponents for him, or maybe even someone, you know, if Cressy was in form, you know, someone who doesn't give him a, a, the rhythm at all, I'm not actually sure he's going to hold up. And um, yeah, I think over the course of this grass season so far, um, the edge between um, Alcaraz and Medvedev, I don't know if there even was one before before the grass season started, but right now it actually yeah, is yes. very clear that, that Alcaraz is kind of by himself in that in yeah. that third, um, in that second tier of contenders, which is basically just himself, and of course the third first tier of contenders is Djokovic. Yeah, to, to be honest, to be honest, as for the way I I see it, I know that for me Djokovic is clear the first favorite. But if I have to make tier one, I say Djokovic Alcaraz, but not because I think that they have the same chance, but still mm -hmm. because uh, I mean, for me, it's meaningless to make a tier for. For one player, it's still the, the tier one. Then, of course, if they have to okay. meet each other, Djokovic is going to enter as a favorite, and that's for sure. But, but still, in my opinion, it's a tier one that one uh, because then yeah, I, I, uh -huh. somehow for some kind of reason is not there. Alcaraz suddenly becomes the the first favorite, in my opinion. So I will say uh, tier one, even if I think Djokovic is first and and Alcaraz second favorite. Yeah, I get it. I mean, the reason why people do it, you know, put just one player in one tier is mostly to show that it's not really close, right? Because it's yeah. not close between Djokovic and the rest of the field. And it's also not really close between Alcaraz and the rest of the field bearing Djokovic right now. Uh, Novak's game is more natural for grass than Alcaraz. I'm not actually sure, you know. Uh, I think it, it's really natural now after all these years and after all of these Wimbledon titles. But would you really say in like 2010 that Novak had a very natural game for grass? I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe yeah. for the he new grass, did. like the, you know, the 2020, um, the 2010s, the 2020s version of grass. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's about the game really uh, either, John. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think Djokovic has just perfected his movement on the on the surface over the years, and yeah. that's really what's gotten to him to this point. Also, the more aggressive version of Novak that we have in the past couple of years with the serve that definitely is a boost for his grass game. But I think in like 2010, he definitely did not have a natural game for the grass. Uh, he just kind of made it work like like everyone did. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, any, anything else really that we need to talk about from Halle? Alexander Zverev made the semis as well. Um, I guess a very nice run, you know, to beat Shapovalov, Jari, team not even needing a tiebreak and then losing to Bublik. But historically, this has also been a pretty tough matchup for, for, um, for the German. And there's no real reason behind it, I guess. Um, I guess Bublik just brings it, you know, uh, brings the fire every time he plays Zverev. Yeah. I mean, at least Zverev is, is starting getting some kind of consistency, and that's and that's important first of all, um, because of of the way we we saw him struggling in the first part of the year. Now he found uh, he found consistency and least at least to getting to 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 semis to to beating um, consistently some kind of players. Um, and so there are improvement signs, and that's for sure. Um, yeah, still probably he he needs to find again his. Uh, I don't want to say his fire, but his. Uh, I don't know the the mentality when he when he gets the to the semis and to and to the latter stages to to fight. Uh, to put an even fight against uh, these kinds of motivated and informed players, and that's something that you you also have to uh, to build your your confidence to be able to do so. And probably Zverev uh, still lacks a little bit in in some moments, given what it happened to to him. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, we know. Uh, what kind of of level uh, Zverev can uh, can can show? Uh, for now, it's okay for me to watch him getting to semis and to uh, and to do some some good wins here and there. Uh, I will start to to get more to demand more uh, by him in in some some months. <laughs> Uh, fair enough. Uh, yeah, Michael, not all seven Wimbledons, uh, really, because in the 2003 uh, campaign, he was serving volleying 50% of the time. And also, I think there's a huge difference between like playing from the baseline like he is uh, compared to what Novak is doing still, even with the more aggressive post-prime, if you want to call it, version of Djokovic. However, yeah, um, since 2003, of course, his, um, his tennis evolved a lot. But he was, uh, yeah, it, it, when, when he won his first Wimbledon feather, he was still serving volleying half the time. And it was a very different campaign in that sense, at least, compared to all the other um, ones, um, including, you know, the ones where he didn't win the title. And uh, anyway, uh, even in 2014-15, I think he, he, he upped it only to like 20% uh, or something like that. Um, when, you know, and these were, of course, the Edberg years when he was server volleying and yeah. um, going to the net all the time, basically. Yeah, that, so, that 2014 final, probably one of the best in terms of oh, uh, yeah. the quality tennis we saw in, in the last decade in Wimbledon that was a fantastic display from 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 both players and then from Federer also 
uh, that was kind of yeah i mean uh, one of these matches in which both players deserve to win <laughs> yeah i guess it was no no maybe okay never mind let's let's drop it um i was starting to make another argument but then midway yeah 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 that it's actually stupid <laughs> don't, don't worry <laughs> No, no, I just realized that my point, the, the point that I was trying to make is actually idiotic. But anyway. <laughs> okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No Let's maybe just briefly talk about Mallorca and Eastburn, the events that are coming up. They have already started, of course. We have some matches going on right now, even in Eastburn and Mallorca. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe let's just look at um, look at um, well briefly look at the the draws and the players that are there. Of course, the big name in Mallorca is Stefanos Tsitsipas. Then there's like a big gap between um, the next players on the list. Stefanos Tsitsipas last year he also played Mallorca in the week before Wimbledon. He won it. He didn't end up going that deep at Wimbledon, but like if he didn't play Kyrgios, maybe he could have. Right? I mean, he is vulnerable on the grass. He doesn't have much time on the backhand side. The return yeah, but, is... But uh, still, uh, yeah, I get, to... I get what you say even because of mm -hmm. how the tournament then uh, then went. So uh, there's a yeah. little bit of what if uh, for his Wimbledon campaign because if you win that match, then the draw was not that... Uh, was not impossible. Yeah. Uh, given also the fact that we know that then... Uh, Nadal withdrew, and a lot of things happened in that side of the draw. So there, there was a, uh, there was a what if. That's for sure. Uh, I mean, he, yeah, he's vulnerable uh, for for what you said. Uh, the fact that he has less time, that uh, uh, it's uh, it's probably more difficult with the back end for him. Um, but I also think that he can. Um, if he's uh, if he finds some good days, he's also able to uh, to to use his transition skills and to to avoid a little bit this these issues. And I still think that no, I still think I think that it's obvious that it is one of these players that. Um, of course, you have to look at the draw, a lot of these things, because then, I mean, you have maybe to play a peak Kyrgios in round three. But uh, if the draw is okay, I, I see think that is a player who can... I mean, I mean, can, we can argue about this, but like I, I literally have the stats uh, in front of my very eyes, Michael. Um, in 2003, he uh, served volley 49% of the time. And I also remember watching these matches like against Filip Pussy, Cheng Schalken, um, I mean, in, in 2003, he was still basically a servant volleyer at Wimbledon. Um, but, uh, you know, that's just also what the stats say. Anyway, um, let's, uh, let yeah, you, Mario, I, I don't about, remember anything. <laughs> yeah, you talked about Stefan. No, it doesn't really matter, you know. That's not really... Um, 
that's not really you know the the main point of this show anyway yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> always good always I, good to talk um no and, i, I um, was not even two in wimbledon 2003 so i have no clue about what was happening no no kidding i, I, I know i was four was and of course I, I i watched it on replay not <laughs> not actually not actually live anyway uh yeah Tsitsipas in mallorca probably the big title favorite uh, still with with his um grass court game being kind of in shambles in recent weeks However, uh, Thompson it's also, it's also a, a particular grass, I think. It's not really... Okay. Mm, in, in Mallorca, I think that the courts can, uh, can, can help his game. Um, I don't think it's the, the very, very best um, grass court preparation for, for Wimbledon in terms of the similarity of the, of the environment and the courts. Mm. I think that he, of course, he's he's a big favorite for for the title. In my opinion, if he's able to show up at uh, at a good level, uh, yeah, something has to click, of course, because then uh, we know that there there is uh, always someone that if you uh, don't put on to your game, uh, someone may be able to uh, to use your bad day to. Uh, to go there and try to to win the match, that's for sure. But looking at the draw, he should be uh, the favorite. Also, would be important because uh, the Mallorca title last year was also his last uh, title, and so it's. It, I think that it's time for him to to start thinking of of getting back to to that winning feeling. Uh, let's see if he will be able to to do to win this title again this year um yeah thompson gasquet in the quarters that could be tough and uh, i am very excited to see how ben shelton fares here and also of course alexander bublik um personally i think i don't think he should be playing but you know um it's his decision we'll see how he does but yeah that, that shelton bublik quarter looks really exciting shelton can play eubanks who uh whom he famously beat into um challenger finals at the end of last year so it would be a nice story and um, Eubanks has joked about it a few times since, you know, that you know, just when, when Shelton made the Australian Open quarters, like, look at what I had to deal with in um, Knoxville or Charlottesville or whatever the events were. I think it was uh, Knoxville and um, and um, Knoxville and Charlottesville or or something along the, the lines of that. Anyway, um, yeah, David Chukina, the second seed, but uh, probably not one of the like main guys that uh, that we're looking at. And also, Eastburn is the other event. Uh, also, the defending champion is here, and it's Taylor Fritz. Usually, Alex Deminor would also play it, but this year he chose to withdraw because of his Queen's Club run, uh, which I also think is fair if he's like seriously thinking about going deep at Wimbledon, and I'm pretty sure he is. That's probably the one event that he really cares about. Fritz, honestly, has like a highway to the final <laughs> uh just looking at his draw it doesn't seem like much can really go wrong for him here uh, maybe outside of like sonego peaking and recently he kind of has been and uh, even you know to the title you could say that fritz is just a very overwhelming favorite here um he has managed to even in recent years uh, he won eastburn in 2022 it didn't bother him at wimbledon he still went deep of course perhaps should have won the quarter against Nadal, but, you know, he still went deep despite playing so much so much tennis in the week before the slam. So I guess he'll be fine, right? It doesn't really hamper his chances of going deep in London no, at SW19. No, I don't think at all, even if, because, even because I think that he's, 
he's okay physically to to play this week and then to go play at Wimbledon also uh, for for the way he he plays um, uh, this match it shouldn't really be in uh, uh, like three three hours and a half of clay court battle so I think that his uh, his body should um, should held up pretty pretty well like just like he did uh, last year yeah I think that he's as you said, the overwhelming favorite because the top seeds uh, here after him are Paul, and then there is Serundolo who beat Paul at Queens. Um, yeah, Sonego went to the final once in Eastwood, but um, of course, I think that um, yeah, uh, he he is going here to uh, with with the title in in his sight, and I think that. Should should be his his goal given given how the draw looks like. Probably last year the draw was the event was was tougher. Uh, watching about the draw because there there um, there was the informed Cressy and then of course Fritz uh, beat Deminor in the semis and playing Deminor in, in the quarters as well. Yeah, so yeah, very strong, very strong round. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a very strong. Uh, strong tournament this year. It's a little bit, uh, it's a little lower, and uh, so I think that he enters as as the main favorite. But still, I, I mean, still we we watch tennis also because uh, things are not one hundred percent predictable. So, uh, yeah, still still looking at the result, even to uh, to see if someone writes his name to the players who can get uh, deeper. Uh, at at Wimbledon. Yeah, and speaking of unpredictable things, there's also the Wimbledon qualifying this week. Um, you know, yeah. you guys definitely should uh, check out some of the action there. I think it's Monday to Thursday. Today is the uh, first round of the men's event. Tomorrow, the first round of the women's event, and then they start combining. Um, of course, as usual, um, the third, the final round of the men's qualifying is best of five sets which uh, is different to, to other slams. And also the what's different is that the um, qualifying is not held at the Wimbledon grounds. It's held in Roehampton, uh, but uh, still very good grass courts. There's a free Wimbledon uh, YouTube live stream that only has court 11 uh, and then some interviews from like around the grounds. But of course, there are also unofficial ways to watch uh, all the other matches, uh, perhaps not the best quality of the streaming there, but... Um, if someone really um, is really willing to, but definitely check out the live stream with commentary, interviews, and etc. And um, yeah, most uh, the court eleven action. I think earlier it was Duckworth against Parker. I'm not really sure what's what's there right now, because I was watching something on one of the, one of the smaller courts. But uh, yeah, I think it's Taro Daniel and Marco Trujeliti. So um, definitely um, something to check out as well. Uh -huh. And it. Oh, Daniel. it has ended already. Yeah, so there, there's going to be another match there. Uh, anyway, there's like four four slots, I think. Yeah, Giannessi against Broom. Perhaps not the not the most interesting choice, but, you know, Broom is British. But Stricker-Johnson, that could be a great match on the uh, show court. I think it's called yeah. uh, Court 11, but here in this on the schedule, it actually says Stadium Court, but I think it's Court 11 technically in Roehampton. Um, yeah, anyway, we are approaching an hour, uh, like, on the dot, and I think we've covered it all. Uh, I would think so. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would say so. Uh, I, I'm still uh, uh, mad that I have to find a solution to watch all the Wimbledon courts because in Italy I have only six courts. Okay. 
for Wimbledon. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm in a, a phase of study to, to get a solution for, for that because, uh, of course, I'm going to be disappointed about the six matches <laughs> they are showing and I have to, 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 to find for something else. So that's a stupid thing, but I, for me, it's a serious issue. Um, but yeah, yeah, talking about serious things, I think that we have, yeah, said, uh, pretty much a lot of things. Someone is giving you, um, is supporting your data about Federer in 2003. <laughs> uh, no, it was just, just something I found on Twitter, but yeah, anyway, it doesn't, really I, know, I mean, um, uh, as for, uh, for, for for what I saw and studied about the matter, uh, I don't think it's correct to say that Federer won the the seven Wimbledon, the, the eight Wimbledon title, staying from from the baseline. And uh, I mean, not just one. I was basically talking about just one event, but you know, oh, still, yeah, there's, but, a, there's a there's a big even, difference between how um, when, they play. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, even when Djokovic he wasn't made seven volleying forty eight percent of the times, but still. His way of playing was not really, uh, you cannot really describe in staying from the baseline all the time. Uh, I think that it's pretty. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, yeah, Michael, it's not, it's not, comp it's not perhaps high compared to Becker at Bergsampras. You know, they, they were more classic servant volleyers, of course. But like, if you go to the net on every, um, every second point and like not even go to the net, but after your serve. So probably he was at the net like, I don't know, 55, 60% of the time more realistically because he would also go to the net not serving volleying. Um, I think it's still, um, you know, he still won that first Wimbledon serving volleying, but it doesn't really matter. Anyway, uh, my, my main point was that, that um, the baseline game that Federer played on, on grass and the baseline game that Djokovic is playing on grass is still a very different thing. So um, so yeah, I, I, I generally don't think that Djokovic's game was yeah, very no, natural for grass. He just made it. So and, and Alcaraz also, can definitely do it. So why it's it's interesting to watch all the different players because two different uh, style of 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 game can can both be effective and still yeah. be very very different one from from another. So it it doesn't really. I mean, when we are talking about. <laughs> Oh wow! Oh wow! Um, let's talk. I have to open the door. Sorry. Uh, no, never mind. Um, we are closing it off anyway. But I guess I'll wait for Mario because maybe he, um, because maybe he's gonna be back, and maybe he's gonna give us some great insight uh, at the very end of this show. I don't know. So we will wait for him. I guess um, for him to open the door. Yes, Mario is back. Mario, what was the, the uh, thing that you wanted to say? And it's probably going to be like the closing statement of the show. So bet yeah, you yeah, better yeah, make yeah. it uh, more I, I, I got a new, a new laptop and has arrived. Uh, uh, I actually don't know how to say. I never thought about that. Um, yeah, I mean... Um, <laughs> Um, I mean, who is bringing me the laptop at home? The courier? the courier? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. It. So that was that was the closing statement. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, Jim I, I Courier, by, by the way, Jim Courier, he never won Wimbledon, oh. but he he was definitely among the yeah, very tennis name. That's true, John. Um, yeah, when I saw it written down in the chat, I, I instantly thought of him. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's let's finish there. Um, as you guys know, we're gonna be back for the ATP weekly show in uh well, before Wimbledon, I suppose, right? Yeah. There's going to be one, and then uh, we'll see what's the, what, what even happens with the, uh, with yeah, the show after sure that. But on, definitely sure at, least, at least one more coming uh, just ahead of Wimbledon. Yeah, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, yeah, because uh, this time, of course, not unlike the French, they actually start the main draw action on Monday. So yeah. uh, we will do it on either um, Saturday or Sunday. And yeah, I guess we'll just see you guys there. If you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell so you don't miss out on all things tennis. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.